let's start the show. For Thursday, March 19th, 2020, welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Right. Fucking squirrel on my bird feeder. And then suddenly the Enterprise D's bridge. Welcome to a whole new world. It's a whole new world. Well, this is not the good kind of whole new world. No, 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 definitely not. Uh, We are, if you're listening to the audio, you might want to check out the video because things are a little different. Well, first of all, Jeremy's off this week. He's doing okay. He's just off. He's working on other projects. But wait, Will, stop playing the music. (laughs) That was my fault. Sorry about that. Will Smith is here. Hello. Joining. And not only is Will guesting this week, but also Will's running our soundboard. Thank you, Will. I apologize in advance. And Kishore is here as well, running the entire video mix. We're all doing our part to make this podcast work. I can't hear myself, and that's really strange. Oh, man, that would make me crazy. Yeah. Oh, this is really strange. You need a mixer, Norm. If anything... good is going to come out of this time it's that everyone will have learned how to stream and mix <laughs> audio on the internet podcasts are going to be booming uh, I like we that are optimism. we are uh, recording locally from our home we're using a zoom to video conference in so you're going to glimpse into our home offices will works in a, the jungle apparently I, uh I, I this like is endor of... the forest moon of endor norm if you were playing it along at home Absolutely. I'm turning, I'm turning my lights down. And uh, we are, you know, this is like we said on Still Untitled this week, this is a new normal. Uh, in fact, when we were recording Still Untitled, Kishore, uh, I know you're a listener, so you must have noticed that I was actually in the studio uh, when we were doing that. We recorded it on Monday morning, and literally, I want to say two hours after we recorded that episode is when the Bay Area issued a shelter-in-place alert um, and so we are all confined uh, to our own homes. Is I'll it, say, is it happily is it weird? confined? Yeah, I was thrilled when that happened. That means they're taking this seriously finally after three weeks of nothing. Um, it's weird to get that kind of notification via text, right? Like the, hey, stop leaving your house. Here's a text message. The most serious form of, of communication. Yeah. I mean, it's the kind of alert system you would expect if we had an earthquake, right? Living out here, you would get it by text, like shelter in place. So it seems like the natural system for them to use. It's it's never not going to be terrifying to get that message. But at the same time, like, I think they used like what was available to them and it made sense. So the really yeah. worrisome thing is I didn't get the text message. Gina oh. got it, but I didn't get one. So I'm still free to move around the bay, I guess. I don't know. I'm not going to. But um, yeah. And, you know, it, it, they gave you ample warning, at least in, in the Bay Area. It wasn't until the next day that they would be mandating it. And obviously all the news outlets and wherever, you know, social media was reporting it as well. So we had ample warning. It wasn't like, you know, go home now immediately. All the stores are closing and the stores aren't closing. It's a very reasonable and practical take. Um, and it, but it is, it is strange. Like we're looking outside our window yesterday and there are, 
very few cars. There's still some people walking their dogs and and you know going on walks is totally okay. But you could see that they're practicing that that distancing. Um, and people are kind of, you know, they're, they're waving at each other. Hello, but not walking really alongside each other. Not a lot of, you know, stopping and chatting. No playgrounds. Nobody go to go to playgrounds. Uh, we went for a walk yesterday and decided we need to come up with a game that kids can play with each other from across the street. Um, yeah. Don't know what that is yet, but if anybody has any ideas, send me a message on Twitter or something. You know, my, my favorite thing that's happened during this is, I went on Nextdoor, which is the lowest of the low when it comes to social networks. And it is a delightful place to be right now. Oh. Because hmm. uh, at least mine is filled with people offering to help uh, people that uh, need help with getting groceries, um, uh, help with like uh, tasks, elderly people that are that are sort of uh, waylaid and, and can't um, get some uh, typical functions done. It's a lot of like community coming together uh, in this really delightful way. And, uh, so this is sort of a miracle that next door is a nice place. So there is still good in this world. If we can, if we can change next door, we can do anything. And obviously what's happening in the world is changing on a day-to-day basis. Um, we've been trying to keep you guys updated and we're going to answer some questions. Kishore has a lot, got a lot of questions from listeners and we'll be talking about that in a moment of science, but we also want this, at least the podcast to feel as normal as possible. It's one of the few places where we can still, you know, connect with each other and connect with you out there. So we're going to try to have fun. We're going to talk about Yes, we'll address some of the things that are happening in the news in relation to technology and pop culture, in relation to the outbreak. But there's also a lot of other fun, interesting things and ways that we're spending our time here because for the next month or so, I don't know about you, but I can imagine a lot of VR, a lot of video gaming, a lot of board gaming. Yeah, a lot of projects. Figuring out work from home. Like I, I've answered more work from home questions from people in the last three days than I have in the 10 years preceding. So, um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, everything's different and it's scary and it's exciting and it's weird. And, you know, it's, it's Gene and I were talking about this the other night. And I think I posted it on Twitter, but like, it feels like the slowest moving hurricane prep I've ever experienced. Like when, when you're, when you're in the path of a hurricane, there's the preceding time where like people empty out the grocery stores and the people who are preparing shutter up their houses. And then there's always some guy who's like, ah, I don't need to leave. It's not going to be that bad because denial is a part of every disaster. But you know, usually by three or four days into that, you're done. You're either battened down, you're ready to stay or you're gone. And with this, a, there's nowhere to go and B it's just, it's two weeks for anything to happen. And like, obviously we don't want that to happen. We don't want the two weeks to pass, right? It's, 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 it's tough. It's mentally taxing in a way that I didn't appreciate beforehand. We took stock of our outstanding Lego sets that we haven't assembled yet. Oh There's yeah. A, a closet in my house. What do you have? Boxes. It's, it was, it was a reckoning because we've, I've way more, I, I'm going to be embarrassed if I start, listing what I have because it's just like, I realize I have a problem. Like starting with, I have the Millennium Falcon, the UCS. The big one? Like, the big one. Norm. Have not put mine together yet. I have that. I have the Lego, uh, the Batmobile, uh, UCS Batmobile, 1989. Nice. I have the, uh, the Technic uh, Porsche, the orange Ooh. one, the giant Porsche. 
Yeah. I have uh, I have an Apollo uh, Eleven. Um, the LM or the other. rocket? Uh, no, the, the Saturn Five. Sorry, the Saturn Five. Okay. Um, I have the new dinosaur set. I mean, it's it goes on and on. I have the San Francisco. Um, that one, I sure. that one may be fast. Uh, and then I didn't realize this. Uh, a year and a half ago, Lego put out um, an Indiegogo. Mm. It was a crowdfunding campaign for an experimental set called Forma, aimed at adults, and uh, it was really reasonably priced, like 40 bucks. And it was um, an automata. It was a fish. So it was a combination of Technic and Lego pieces. And you you move the gear around and the fish does like an undulating motion. And you can actually Ooh. apply different decals and, and skins on it. So it looks like a shark or or like a tilapia or something. Uh, but I have one of those as well. So uh, I'll probably be building some and maybe putting a camera on it. I've got a nice table right here to do some assembly. It's, it's Lego with appropriate friends at distance. Yes. Exactly. What we need is find people with the same set, and then mm. we can we can Skype or Zoom together, and then build at the same time. And try I to go out pace. on a limb and say that's not the the greatest build uh, <laughs> build on the internet idea that's ever come across. I um I mean it's funny. One of the things I expected to have a lot more free time. We've been spending a lot of time with school stuff because it's it turns out it's challenging getting the school stuff cranked up there's almost too many resources now like it's gone from hey what are we going to do to make this happen to there's literally a website that's just an enormous spreadsheet full of like all of the educational apps and programs that are now free um because of all the people presumably in the same situation we are um and and like part of the thing that we're coming up with that we're having a hard time with the math and the reading and all that stuff is is fine um but the isolation especially for kids that are only children is really hard um it is and, com- yeah it's completely hard i have i have friends that have done like virtual zoom parties for kids which is just like this bizarre uh kind of setup where kids are talking to each other over video at like six seven eight years old yeah. um uh, but i think like at least with my son he's adapting pretty fast uh, to the situation we'll see where we are in a few more days when it starts to really set in uh, yeah. but as we stand i've noticed like the the kids that i've interacted with both either on video or my, mine at home they understand the situation better than we give them credit for uh and they are adapting fast you know in a lot of ways faster than me we're <laughs> uh we're so we're in the middle of the second week and last week was totally fine it was like a fun novelty this second week is when things started getting a little more real and like obviously we've all been upset at different times but she's it's kind of landed on her in the last couple of days in a way that i i i I didn't give her enough credit for i think so how are kids on skype or zoom in terms of not talking over each other Oh, not good, disaster. Norm. <laughs> That's what I imagine. Yeah. Hey, it could make it could train them to be better podcasters. M- maybe. Um, I think I'm gonna try like werewolf games and stuff like that with some of her friends and run a run like a one night ultimate werewolf game with the kiddos and see how that see how if that goes to give them like because because the thing the thing that we had is what just like you said like when we put them on Facetime with each other they just go in the bedroom and make farty noises into the microphone for like forty minutes which is great and maybe is the outlet that they need, but I think having like constructed interaction would maybe be better. I, I don't know if there's child psychologists out there. I'd love to hear your feedback. I, 
I think the number one piece I saw Shonda Rhimes tweet this out this morning. She's like, I've been homeschooling my six and eight year old for an hour and a half. And I think teachers should be paid a billion dollars a year. <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel uh, right yeah. now. Yeah. All right. N- not not only teachers, nannies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Top story oh. time. All right. I don't think we have a music cue for this. So I might insert it in after the fact, depending on how much time we have. But for the moment, I'm just going to say top story this week. Hey nailed guys, uh, you yeah, nailed it exactly. Uh, Lin Manuel Miranda dropped a new Hamilton song. That's got to be our top story, right? How can there be a new Hamilton song? Well, Hamilton's it's over. It's done. It's, 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 it's an outtake. It's it's a song that he said didn't even make it to uh, Thomas Kale's desk, uh, who's a show director. So if you know Hamilton, the musical, we're ta- of course we're talking about. If you know, then you uh, know. If, if if you know. Yes, you know what you don't know. Uh, there's a near the third act. There's a wonderful song. It's an incredible song called Hurricane. And it's right after Hamilton gets essentially not not blackmailed, but confronted by Thomas Jefferson and, um, and Madison and Aaron Burr uh, about his uh, personal indiscretions. And in response to that, he... Uh, reveals them to the world and, and and basically puts himself out there and lets himself be judged in the court of public opinion. Um, and it basically ruins his political career and also the relationship with his wife at the time. And so there's a song called Hurricane. Uh, that, and then also right after that is Reynolds pamphlet, uh, Reynolds papers. And this is a song that actually would take place of Hurricane. What? So, Yeah. So I, I can't imagine it ever working, yeah. but apparently it is Hamilton going back to George Washington for advice about the scandal. And he says it, uh, the song is called, um, what is it called? Uh, Typhoon, because it's hurricane in reverse. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's I have it's, this friend, I think, right? I have this friend, exactly. So it's like he's going to George Washington and he's saying, I need advice for a quote-unquote friend of mine um and then he he posted it on uh, on soundcloud Hmm. i was really hoping for the extended aaron burr diss track after he kills hamilton but you know (laughs) um it's interesting because uh lynn manuel does all both the george washington and the hamilton um parts in this song so you don't have christopher jackson um and it's totally it's a super rough uh but it's it's a nice bonus track and it's like here's an uh, it's a totally fine song i don't think it's nearly as good as hurricane is but as fans of hamilton it's something I mean, that hurt hurricane's one of the best top, top like three songs in the in the thing it so is it, it, it would be is. tough to replace hurricane yeah 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 uh that's the hamilton news maybe not top story okay let, let's run with this how about this is our top story you guys like lego i love lego yeah it's my favorite do you guys like mario Love you mean Mario? Mario? Love Mario. Mario. Yeah. Mar- yeah Mario, Mario Mario Brothers. Yeah, Mario. And his brother, Luigi Mario. Yeah, Luigi Mario. I mean, I like the other... Pl- there are more plumbers in the universe. Like, I'm a wild Luigi guy, but, you know, whatever. You know, Each their own. Uh, well, Luigi's never come to... my Luigi's never come to my house and been like, here. I need $500 to open the front door. So, I love Luigi and Mario. Two great tastes that might go great together. Uh, they're going to try to make it happen regardless. This is Lego Super Mario. It's going to be a new set launching later this year. A whole series of sets. 
Uh, and it's not just like Lego Minecraft, where you took the aesthetics of, of a game world and, and put it out in the building blocks. And of course, the Minecraft made sense because Minecraft is kind of like digital Lego. Uh, this is a completely different type of Lego set with interactivity. Uh, there is a not a minifig, but what looks like this stylized, almost Duplo-sized Mario it looks like a, brick a digital head. screen. Yes, but but not a, not a brickhead. Brickheads are like um, the Lego version of a like those collectible vinyl figures, but you put it together, so they're collectibles that are about what, yeah, tall or so. Um, so it's a super sized figure, and it has uh, interactivity with the landscape. So you're essentially building Mario World levels with Lego bricks, and then you can have this Lego Mario interact with that map. Is is that what it's supposed to? I like. I watched that video two or three times, and I had no idea what that thing was at the end of the video. Yeah, I still so like, don't know what this is. Uh, apparently, this is one of the creepiest like things. It, it, the Mario itself. Let's describe why it's creepy. For sure, it's creepy because the Mario is really weird looking, and then it has all these facial features that switch on the its digital. Oh, face or whatever. Like it has a chest that will like show you when you you know, hit a brick, it like lights up with a coin. If you jump on a Goomba, it's like, yay, I, I killed a Lego Goomba or whatever. It it's interactive in, in, a, in a really interesting way where Mario has four screens on him, right? He's, it's a blocky, it's like, you know, remember when um, there was this whole fad of growing watermelons inside uh, like um, cubes? Like, yeah. Right? What? You get cube watermelons. What are you talking about? Right, you you know, in, in Japan, yeah. right? Like you could, you could. Oh, buy... because you could force the shape. <clears throat> exactly, yeah. right? You grow a watermelon inside a mold that was like a cube, and then it stacks better, and then you get it, and you can maybe slice it a certain way. Probably more for transport. Definitely a novelty. Very Japanese thing. Well, this looks like Mario himself was like bonsai kittened into a cube <laughs> form because his head is. Super blocky, rounded corners and all. They just plop a hat on him, and he has four screens. On his chest, has a screen like Short said, which can show things like a coin, a sound effects. But then he has a screen for each of his eyes and his mouth. So the mustache is there. It's a smile silhouette. But then he can like his mouth can move. He can talk. Like his teeth will move up and down. His eyes will look left and right, which is neat. I. Yes, in the photos, it looks like the contrast and the coloring all matches with this whatever figure they're talking, what they call it. Uh, but when the screens are off, it's like just black-eyed Mario. It's going to be a nope for me, dog. Yeah. I thought when this announcement came, I was like, oh, they're making one of those Lego games, except Mario is the character. And I was like, oh, right, that, right. that sounds okay. That sounds cool. I mean, just, yeah, just to be clear, that Lego game, the, the first AR game that I ever played was a Lego game called The Life of, um, I can't remember the name of the character, but but basically it was like a nonogram game that you played with Lego and it had a, a visual learning, like the, the, the app would, you'd aim the camera on your phone at the, at the board when you were finished and be like, yeah, you were correct, you get a, you get a score. And that was, it was super duper neat. Um, it doesn't work anymore because iOS has changed APIs enough times now that the old stuff doesn't load on modern hardware. But um, like the team that made that, like they're capable of making really interesting novel things. It's entirely possible this is going to be rad. And just the early video and the one that I saw was from Japan even, so I didn't, I couldn't understand what they were saying. 
like it's it's possible that that this will work out i i don't I don't. I don't have any good idea. I don't. Not possible. The, I hope. Okay. Not possible. The way I understand that you're supposed to play with this is to actually play with it, right? I think there's been a trend in Lego, and we're definitely guilty of this as well. Uh, adults buying Lego to display, right? You're building. You're buying these relatively expensive sets to put together, um, and they're nice statues. And the whole idea of a playset feels like that's for maybe a younger audience. Um, well, and the Minecraft thing did it really well because Minecraft, you were making essentially every Minecraft set was a playset. You were meant to play with it. You can customize it. But even then, you're following their instructions and designing the landscape with you know what they had in mind. Uh, here, it seems like they want you to build, it's like Mario Maker. They want you to build a quote-unquote level and then play with the Mario figure and have them stomp on Goombas, and then they'll have connections that then play the sound effects. You hear a classic coin chime, or you know they'll have some of the super baddies. Uh, Bowser Jr. will be there. Yoshi will be there. And so you're supposed to f- have this tangible version of the Mario game. Um, and my question is, which side did most of the development, right? Was it Lego? Or was it Nintendo? Because we've doubted both before in terms of things like Labo, right? Labo was a big experiment for Nintendo. We didn't, couldn't conceive how it could work, this VR thing, and it worked out real well. Uh, the Minecraft thing, same thing for Lego, and I think it's been very successful. Uh, so I'm, I'm really curious in this four years of development, they said, building up to this, what was that back and forth well, like? And, and remember, with Lego, with Minecraft, Lego went through multiple iterations because they started with those mini worlds through the Kusu, which I think became ideas while that stuff was happening. Um, and then, and then they went to the 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 Minecraft style that you have now that are that are playsets. Those first ones weren't really playsets; like there wasn't there wasn't really a whole lot you could do to to play with those. They were you could configure them different ways. But they were kind of like a thing that you could lay out to look cool on your shelf in the in the way that like the Saturn Five is. Um, I I don't know. I'm optimistic. I if nothing else, they'll learn something from this one, so that the version two will be good. Nintendo's not going to give up on Nintendo and Lego aren't going to give up if the first thing isn't great. Well, the other thing is that is this going to be attractive for younger audiences? I I get why kids love Lego Minecraft. It's because kids love Minecraft. Um, I don't have a kid that's old enough to play with Mario Maker, but I know Kishore, your son loves Mario Maker. Will he? Would he be interested in this type of Lego set? Yeah. So my kid loves Mario Maker. He builds levels. Uh, he loves all things Mario. He loves all things Lego. He has a metal Lego set that he doesn't want to buy. And then I showed him this, and he goes, "This is dumb." Wow. That was his review. So wow, that is the mark of a ten-year-old boy, a nine-year-old boy, nine-year-old boy. So yeah. like, I. I feel like that gut reaction from kids if they don't like it right away is is kind of a death nail for this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, and also, just like with Labo, Nintendo did really well with that, has pushed out, but we haven't seen a couple sets, we haven't seen any updates for it since. And as I was even clearing my office space yesterday to prepare for this podcast and future videos, I have like a giant cardboard box of Labo of cardboard that I have no idea what to do with because I haven't gone back to Labo. I've built it, played it one time, a couple times, and now you know it just sits. Uh, let's move on to our pop culture news, Will.
All right. Uh, we will start off here with an update as to some of the postponements, because that's really the, the big news in the entertainment world this past week. Uh, a bunch of movies have been pushed back. Big tentpole summer films uh, moving into, into May releases. That's late as May. So uh, we, I think we talked about Mulan getting pushed back. And that was a film on the Disney side that I'd already had its premiere. They did an LA premiere, a red carpet. They were ready to roll it out, a big international launch. Uh, that's being pushed back indefinitely. Um, the Fast Saga, so Fast and the Furious 9? F9? It's the one, but it's really the 10th yep. movie. What? Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, it's not okay. numbered. You're right, you're right. I guess that's, but that's that's like a Rogue One. Hobbs and Shaw sure. is not Skywalker Saga. For a Hobbs second there, Shaw, Norm, yeah. Norm thought there was an unreleased Fast and Furious movie that he missed. <laughs> was that was yeah. awesome. Was... <laughs> Norm missed Fast and the Furious 2.5. What happened yeah. to Roman between 2 and 4? Who well, knows? Vegas, of course. Yeah. Or, or he was in a Transformers film. You know, it's helped save in the world with Michael Bay. Uh, yes, Fast 9 has been pushed to next year. And um, the latest big news is Black Widow, which was supposed to come out May 1st, is now pushed out to next year. Or actually, later this year, indefinite release as well. We've no have idea you why. Guys, have you guys watched what happened to Onwards? Like Onward released right before this started to go and had yeah. a kind of slow first weekend. It's a Pixar movie, so usually good for the better part of a billion dollars for a bad one. And they're at $102 million as of this weekend. So I would assume anything that they think is going to do more than a couple hundred million dollars business is going to get pushed or they're going to do the digital delete release thing that DreamWorks is doing, right? Mm-hmm. Which we'll get to. But isn't yeah. this a great opportunity to dump some of the really bad films in your library right now? Well, I mean, if they were going to do that, they would have released that Immortals movie, right? Immortals? What's the, the, Immortals? What's, what's, well, hold on, what's the 20th Century Fox movie that's uh, New Mutants? Sorry. Oh, yes, yes. They would have... That, yeah, they pushed that again too, right? They did push that again. And, you know, there's yeah. an ongoing bet among um, people who follow the movie business of whether that will actually come out or become just a Disney Plus release, which it could very well well be. Yeah. But uh, as you alluded to, uh, this is an opportunity for movie studios to experiment with different types of movie releases. So Disney, uh, which had uh, planned on putting out Frozen 2 on uh, you know, on demand and digital release and Blu-ray, I believe in like, it was going to be three months or so dropped it on Disney plus over the weekend. Well, so it was knew. out on Blu-ray and did on demand and digital paper, you know, digital purchase. Oh, that's what it but was. Then they okay. pushed it to Disney plus early. Uh, and then they re they released rise of Skywalker early for like purchase. three days early for purchase. Yeah. Right. Right. So those are like things that probably didn't move their bottom line a lot. It wasn't like, okay, Yes, because Frozen 2 is on Disney Plus now. Fewer people will be buying it on iTunes. So it might have, you know, cost them a couple hundred thousand dollars in terms of rentals there. Uh, but it probably bolstered their Disney Plus subscriptions. Uh, in terms of Rise of Skywalker, it was like a three day move on the release date. You know, people aren't going to stores so, yeah. to buy it. So they can rent it on iTunes. Uh, not on Disney Plus yet, not free for streaming anywhere else. You have to pay for it. Uh, but the more bolder moves comes from uh, Universal Pictures. So what they're doing is they are releasing some of their in-theater movies on their streaming service for 20 bucks. 
Wow. So, so hunt, this is a $20 rental, not a, yes. not a $20 purchase. So uh, movies that just hit theaters, like The Hunt, which was out uh, last week, as well as uh, The Visible Man. Apparently both have gotten pretty good reviews. The Visible Man, uh, that's the Elizabeth Moss movie. Uh, the Blumhouse movie has gotten really good reviews. Uh, Emma, those will be um, released on March 20th. So a day this Friday. Uh, and you'll be able to pay 20 bucks. And that's about four to five months earlier than... Uh, those films would have been put out on on streaming. Uh, if uh, they're also, also doing Trolls World, World Tour when it releases in theaters, which is kind of a shocking like that. That's, that's a, a movie one. that's going to make a lot of money, and so they're yeah. And and that that's the big decision here because when you say release in theaters and these other films mm-hmm. already in theaters, there are no real theater chains to speak of, like Cinemark, AMC. Uh, Regal all announced that their theaters are shutting down. Initially, it was going to be in the major cities. They had to cap their uh, their audience sizes to like 50%. The sizes are no more than a certain number of people, whether it was like 50 people or 100 people. But yesterday, they said their theaters are just going to be not functioning, not operational uh, for the next couple months. They've put everyone's like AMC stubs, subscription, whatever subscription service on hiatus. So they don't want people to cancel because they want people to auto resume when they're ready to get people back in theaters. But that means on April 10th, when Trolls World Tour was supposed to go in theaters, it's just going to be, like you said, Will, put out for streaming. And a movie that they probably would have you know, anticipated in their books, the accountants, would have planned to make hundreds of millions of dollars from. Uh, I don't know if that means that they're just going to write it off. I, yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't have any idea. I mean, trolls. The first trolls made three hundred forty-five million dollars, three hundred forty-six million dollars uh, U.S., which is like it, it's a substantial amount of money. I would assume they think this is going to make more. So either you, universe, this is DreamWorks, right? Um, yes. Either they're worried that they're going to they're having cash flow problems, and they're like, we we can't just sit on this for six months, or um, you know, they, I mean, they do have that relationship with the McElroys. So it could be that the contract that they signed is such that that movie has to come out on April 20th, no matter what. There's no fourth leisure. I, I, I highly doubt it's a contractual obligation to release it. And I think it's a calculated decision talking about this is a family friendly film. It's about people with families. You know, there's people are anticipating this and they, you know, they, they might make, they will make less money. But Families will want to watch this, not in the same way that people would want to uh, like watch Fast Nine. Like I don't, I couldn't imagine them putting Fast Nine out, Universal putting Fast Nine out uh, for streaming only uh, while theaters are closed. That's still something yeah. that they're gonna. So, they need to make a billion dollars with that. I think there's two things. Like I think we we shouldn't be worried about the accountants and financing of these films, just given everything that's going on right now uh, and the struggles that are coming. Like. But I also think there's this is brilliant because what if this births like a new model for how certain levels of movies come out? Like if this is successful, this can totally change everything. How many people would pay 20 bucks to watch a new release movie at home as opposed to going to the theater? Like I'm one of those people. Sign Most me up right time, away. Yeah. And, and probably would pay more than $20 because it's costing me more than $20 to go to the movie anyways. 
I'm, I'll go one step further. I'll say not only will this, if this succeeds, if a ton of people decide to stay at home, stream, I mean, they have to stay at home, but pay to stream trolls and doesn't get hugely pirated, which it could very well. It's going right? to get hugely pirated, but it won't matter because some people will pay for it and some people will Exactly, it. I mean, right? It, it, it might not just change their decision-making in terms of how to release certain categories of films, but what types of films they want to fund, you know, rather than... Uh, maybe they'll still do big blockbusters, invest $200 million on a Fast 9 type movie and want to make a billion dollars, that type of risk reward. But it might encourage them to spend, you know, that 10 to $50 million range movie, that kind of um, mid- middle budget movie that's disappeared uh, because there is an appetite for people at home to pay 20 bucks to, to stream um, and, and watch it in the home, in well, home experience. I mean, and the, and there's there were a ton of movies that came out this year that I that there was just no way I could take the, you know. But by the time you count driving and parking and a bag of popcorn and a coke, it's it's thirty five or forty dollars a person for me to go to a movie theater it downtown, and then plus babysitting and and like I I couldn't justify spending that to go see Little Women, but I totally would have paid twenty bucks for Gina and I to sit down on the couch with a bag of popcorn and and. And watch that movie this Christmas. So no. there's some movies I don't want to see this happen for, like the Marvel movies, like those big event movies. There's something about being there with the crowd, uh, being there with the theater, ones with better visuals, better sound, et cetera, et cetera, down the line. I think that's true for most movies. Um, but I think for these kind of smaller movies, maybe not trolls, but like some of these other ones that that were that are coming out, like hell yeah. Um Maybe there's a system that will emerge from this where you can uh, you can go the theater has exclusive you know release for like two weeks or something and then you can buy it um, at home. Uh, well, so there's all, still some system there where it encourages you to go to the theater. But yeah. I'm psyched about this. You're essentially talking about the Netflix model, right? Netflix for their big prestige releases, they they will spend upwards of a hundred million dollars on a film and put it in theaters so it can get awards consideration, and then it will be for everyone. And they're not going to charge you twenty bucks to to rent it to watch it for forty eight hours because you're already paying fifteen bucks a month, you know, indefinitely in their eyes to to watch The Irishman and to watch you know whatever that Michael Bay movie was. Um, and same with Disney Plus. Right, uh, Disney could have made the strategic decision if something like this pans out well to charge you for something like uh, one of the MCU TV shows, right? But instead of to charge you a la carte, uh, but instead they rather you just commit to eight dollars a month for Disney Plus and then get your Falcon Winter Soldier, get your WandaVision, um, and, and maybe there's you know maybe they'll look at it and say we'll do the TV shows that are part of Disney Plus, and then they'll do premium at home movie type content for $20. Uh, and then they'll also have, you know, the big blockbuster event in theaters, but we don't know But this is definitely, it's, it's a whole new ground for, for media. Uh, one last bit of pop culture news. You guys still there? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm Hello. All tabbing back and forth. Um, Sonic, Sonic did really well in theaters. I heard it's the best video game movie of all time. Is that crazy? Who would have thought if, if, if eight that months can't ago, be the case, there has to be a better video game movie. Than I think Sonic. Castlevania is a better video game movie, but and that's, it's, it's that's not a movie, Netflix right? That's a TV, TV show. show. It's kind of yeah. like a movie. It's like a mini series. 
Yeah. So Sonic has overtaken Detective Pikachu as the most successful uh, video game based adapt- adaptation. I'm sorry. Uh, can, we, can we talk about how you pronounce P- Pikachu just then? Pikachu? I have questions. Yeah. What? What is P- that? What, what is it? The hell, Norm? P- wait, wait. Pikachu. What, what? Pika? 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 Yeah. Pika, Pika, Pika. He says Pika, Pika. Pika. Yeah. Yeah. Pika, Pika. Pikachu. Pikachu. No, no. I'm. Peak. Repeat after me. Peak. Peak. Pikachu. 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 No. You say Pikachu. I say Pikachu. I'm never allowed to argue about pronunciation and stuff, but damn, Norm. Detective. Pikachu, oh, no longer you. on top. Sonic, I still haven't seen the film. This is another film that I'd be happy to rent if it uh, they decide to release it early um, for streaming services. Yeah, I would pay for that. Did I didn't either of you see it? No, we got busy. Yeah, I, th- I think Gary saw Detective it. Detective really Pikachu, it. Uh, it was fine. <laughs> I have friends who spoke very highly of um, Sonic. I I liked Detective Pikachu. I thought it was fine. That, that yeah. mime... Mime on really creepy. Mr. Mime was a nightmare. Will, you've been playing some new Call of Duty? I have been COD, COD moi, quad, COD moi war zoning. The new battle royale from the makers of Call of Duty Modern Warfare Infinity Ward. I it's thought very good. Call of Duty had a battle royale mode already. So obviously I don't know much about this. Uh, you are uh, a longtime PUBG player. So I'm a, uh, yeah. You want me to explain how it works? Yes, explain how it works. Give us, give us the deets. So they they did a, a battle royale last year uh, with COD, uh, Black, Black Ops Four. It was really hot for like two weeks, and then people stopped being paid to stream it, and then it disappeared. Basically, I mean, there's still community people that play it on the reg, but it had problems with like sound model and stuff like that. Uh, the folks at Treyarch, I think, did a really good GDC talk last year explaining like what they learned from the first rev of the battle royale, which is basically that like in a first person game where you're being hunted constantly, it turns out sound is really important. And they focused a lot on that. Like the sound model in modern warfare Warzone is, is much, much better. It's still not, you know, it, it, it's, it's still not perfect. None of these sound models are because you're doing math to fool people's brains into thinking they hear sounds up and down and behind them when they're wearing headphones. And since COD is a console game, it has to work with speakers and TVs as well as headphones. So like their sound models, not as good as like your PC only stuff. Um, but it's really neat. So you drop in, it's 150 players. Uh, they have a solo mode now and they have a three, three player team mode. Uh, it's 150 players. You get chucked out of the plane. Uh, you, the map is basically like, uh, it's kind of like a mashup of all of the call of duty or a lot of the call of duty multiplayer maps. So there's there's like a quarry section and there's a TV station section and there's a, a boneyard section and all these different like kind of, um, you know, uh, classic COD uh, deathmatch maps are either expanded or kind of injected as uh, kind of like showcase locations in the larger Battle Royale map. The actual Battle Royale map is really big as it would have to be to fit 150 people. But the really interesting thing that they've done is they've added a bunch of mechanics that get you back in the game if you're in a squad game and you get knocked out. Uh, so, Or in a solo game for that matter. So, for example, you get knocked, somebody somebody kills you, you know, before your teammates can get you back up. Uh, in In PUBG, or I think Fortnite still does this, you're out. Basically, you sit and watch your friends play for the next 20 or 30 minutes. 
Um, in this, you go to this thing called the Gulag, where you're in a, a like rock style prison shower. There, you, two players start on either ends. You have usually prison a kind of shower gun. is where you lost me. <laughs> Look, man, yeah, like I get that you went to a prison, but wait, wait. the shower part, I don't it's, know. It's the rock, that. right? It's the it's, rock. It's the, it's the shower. It is literally looks like the shower prison, the prison shower from the rock. Um, so. So you have to like two men enter, one man leaves. The guy who leaves gets to parachute back in on his friends. Uh, if wait, if wait. you suck, yeah. So this is Rocket League. It's Thunderdome, but it's essentially like you're. You, they have a subcategory of deathmatch happening, coinciding with this large one hundred fifty, yeah. uh, where all the, the the people who are waiting can <laughs> can enter Rocket League. Or it, well, sorry, Rocket Arena, not Rocket, rocket Arena. Rocket it, is, arena. it is very Rocket. Well, rocket and arena. In, the, in that Rocket Arena way, like the people who are waiting to for their turn to fight are standing up around the edge of the shower, looking down from the guards gallery, throwing oh rocks at the people who are fighting. <laughs> oh, so no. like, and if like you and one of your teammates gets knocked, they'll be up in the arena and they can tell you which way, because it's basically like donuts, three lanes. There's right, mid and left. So like if you have a guy in the arena that in the in the gallery that's telling you which way the opponent's going, you have a pretty big advantage. You have like a grenade, you have a, a flashbang or a smoke grenade or something like that. But mostly you have like a pistol or a shotgun or or whatever, and then you have to murder that person. If you get back in, then you get back in. If you don't, then your team can get in-world currency. Um, like they, you find cash when you kill people. You collect cash as part of the looting process, uh, and and you can uh, buy them back in at a at a buy station for like forty five hundred bucks. Uh, it's really neat. They did a bunch of other stuff to simplify it. Like, there's no attachments that you have to pick up for the guns. You can you, the guns are coded like uh, WoW. So like you have a gray, green, blue, purple, legend, uh, gold, or orange legendary loot, and all that means is like the loadouts on them. So like they'll have different grips, they'll have different muzzles, they'll have different scopes. Uh, so you don't have to be worrying about like, does this angled grip go on this gun, or do I? Is it better on this gun? What what do I do with all this stuff? You know the the things that take literally hundreds of hours to learn in a game like PUBG are are much more straightforward um it's been really fun i've really been enjoying it and they added solos uh yesterday i haven't had a chance to check that out yet but i'm gonna do it and today. this is free to play free to play so if you already own cod uh, modern warfare it'll show up as a menu item if you don't it's like an 80 or 100 gig download um i assume because the match map is enormous and uh let's see if you are a fan of the call of duty years where they have a bunch of weird like voice packs and Snoop Dogg voice packs and a bunch of like weed leaf crosshairs for your guns. I'm sorry to tell you that that is not the case. This is not one of those years. So hopefully the weed leaf crosshairs will come back next year. And like Call uh, of Duty, all... it's it's not health pack based. It's health regen. So you have health regen, your armor, which is the most important kind of stat you have. Uh, rather than having like a helmet and a and a chest piece like you do in most games, uh, you basically you just have these metal plates that you jam into a vest in front of your shirt, uh, and and those uh, if three of those gives you one hundred percent armor basically, and you can carry extra armor around, which is nice if you're in the middle of fights and stuff like that. It's 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 a they did a really nice job with it. It's a really neat it's a really neat uh, battle royale. Do you have a sense that they're going to avoid some of the pitfalls of the other battle royale games in terms of like keeping maps updated, like changing over, uh, you know, some nerfing and 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 keeping the the weapons in line? Uh, do you have a sense of that? Hey, I know it's early. Um, so it's it's difficult to say. That I, I my assumption is that they're going to do one map. It, like adding maps is a neat thing. 
uh, if you look at what like Apex Legends has done, when they add a new map, the old one goes away for a while, and then they bring the new one back back with some changes. So they're kind of cycling back and forth. Um, Fortnite has been constantly evolving their map. PUBG just keeps adding new maps, and that kind of fragments the player base every time they do it, which seems like a bad thing when the player base is shrinking. So uh, my I, I think it's too early for a lot of that stuff to say until they find out what the stable audience is. You know, the game's a week and a half old at this point. So it, it's unclear um, It's unclear if, if people are going to stick with Like, we won't know if people are going to stick with it for a month, probably, would be my guess. Uh, but the other nice thing is it ties into the existing Call of Duty Modern Warfare Battle Pass. So the money is if you, if you buy into the Battle Pass in one place, then you can use it in both the normal DM game and also the battle royale so it's not like it's not like there's a subscription the cosmetic stuff seems pretty reasonably priced there aren't there aren't loot boxes like they they've done a pretty good job with it i, I i'm it seems like a thing that would be pleasant to play and would make you feel skeezy for playing unfortunate call of duty uh unfortunate free-to-play mechanics are you thinking of switching over or are you staying with PUBG? so it's a three-person game and i have a four-person regular squad hmm so probably mostly PUBG. I'll play more Call. I've been playing Call of Duty during. The, it turns out I have time during the day during the the while well, every, everybody's shut down. So um, uh, I'm doing more day games these days. All righty. Well, that's the update from the world of free to play battle royal style games. Thanks, Will. Uh, before we move on to our next segment, I want to let you know that this week's episode of This Is Only a Test is made possible with support from TurboTax. TurboTax is here to help you with this tax season by making tax filing easier for you. They've made it their mission to give you all the tools and advice you need to get your taxes done with confidence, like making uploading your W-2 as easy as taking a picture. Just use your phone or tablet and simply snap a picture of your W-2 and watch your information appear right in place in your tax return. You can be sure you're filing taxes correctly while at the same time making sure you're getting the best possible refund because it's TurboTax. All people are tax people. I don't think we have a music cue here. I may drop one in for technology news, so I'm going to sing it again. It's technology news. Uh, we got a bunch of tech news actually this week, starting with the specs details for the two big next-gen consoles they're launching, presumably still later uh, this year. First is the Xbox Series X. Is that what it's called? Right? Not Xbox it's One It's not the Series Xbox X. One X. It's not the Xbox One Series X. It's the Xbox Series X. Yes. Xbox Series X. It's and a tall Microsoft, boy. Yeah, well, you can have it as a... Five consoles, yes. You can have it either orientation, and apparently the cooling will just be fine for both. Uh, but here are the big things that, from a user perspective, uh, you might care about if you, they, you want to pay whatever price Microsoft's going to announce it as. Uh, full background compatibility with Xbox One X. I think they're really trying to sell the idea that on day one, when you buy, if you buy this console, uh, you'll be able to take advantage. They'll have their launch suite of games. They'll be able to take advantage of your existing library in uh, new and better ways. So, uh, full background compatibility. It's going to have. Uh, support for up to 8K, I believe, resolution or 4K at uh, 120 hertz if you have a TV that supports that. Um, uh, but most importantly, it's going to be about load times and um, the uh, save states. So they're using really fast NVMe solid state memory on this. 
And they did a demo where, for example, a game that previously took 35 seconds to load would, with the new Xbox Series X, take about eight and a half seconds to load. Uh, hmm. And that was uh, State of Decay 2. Um, and then the quick resume feature. So existing consoles right now, this generation, you can you know basically go into your menu, go into standby mode, and jump into a game. They're going to have a quick resume feature for multiple game profiles, and it'll be at least three games, uh, and with older library games, even more. So you can, if you're a type of person that maybe lives in a household and people are playing different games, uh, you can actually have the the state save. Uh, much like you would have on a ARM-based tablet, um, and just jump into them uh, as long as there's memory and storage space to cache those games. Uh, cool. New controller. There's a new share I, button. It looks largely the same, though. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, they're just adding it. They're they're keeping parity with the PlayStation controller with the share button, right? Because they've had a dedicated share button in addition to the yes. pad. And so. the connection between the controller and the system, they're saying, is even lower latency. So uh, their uh, existing Xbox One controllers sample at, I think, 8 milliseconds. And the new ones um, have a dynamic latency input system. And so all of the buttons, they say, the state changes occur at the same time they were last checked. So just-in-time signal processing. So they say it will be even lower latency, but we don't know how that's going to affect uh, battery life for those. Um, and if it's plugged into USB-C, then it will be almost basically no latency, of course. It's, it, the, the big thing to me is that they've come up with an external NVMe uh, spec for the, for the external storage thing. I think that's really interesting. And I'm kind of surprised we, there isn't a, like an actual spec from, from JDEC or whoever controls. I don't know who does the flash... Who maintains the NVMe specs and the and the M2 card specs and stuff like that? So memory-wise, it's 16 gigs of GDR GDDR6 uh, and storage. It's going to come standard with a terabyte of their custom NVMe, um, which that also means expandable storage. Yes, you can do external USB 3.2 hard drives, but they'll have a basically a slot that you plug in another one terabyte uh, custom uh, expansion card that. They haven't announced pricing for presumably pretty expensive, and slot that in to get you know even more caching and um, more storage. Well, so uh, so you can use the USB three point two drives, but if you do that, then you lose the benefits. Uh, so you can use them for old games for three sixty and Xbox One games because they are used to working at hard drive speeds. But if you if you put your Xbox Series X at, uh, games on that on the external 3.2 drive, you don't get the, the speed benefits of, of obviously of the NVMe storage in the, in the device or in the expansion, right? Yeah, they're talking about this storage, NVMe storage is almost like RAM and it's not nearly as fast as RAM, right? Um, it's at, you know, 2.4 gigabits per or gigabytes per second with compression, double that, uh, but it's still not RAM. And I'm sure on the software side, they're, Using you know, very smart ways to kind of separate what goes in RAM, what goes in uh, you know a tiered stack of storage speeds from their NVMe to external storage. Uh, but that's the Xbox One Series X. And at the same time, Sony just this morning, as we were recording this, announced the full hardware specs for the PS5. Both of these are using AMD GPUs, uh, and um, it's 
on the PS5 side, again, 16 gigs of GDDR6 uh, and an SSD that's 825 gigabytes. So uh, they're also going with solid state storage, uh, being instant load, you know, no load times is going to be a big thing that they're selling. Uh, on the Xbox One, it's 12 teraflops of, of uh, GPU uh, processing. And on the PS5 side, it is 10.28 teraflops. So slightly slower on the PS5. Uh, my assumption is that the PS5 is going to be more uh, affordable. I So... It's interesting because you know Microsoft is making all their games available on PC as well as as um, the consoles, and also it seems like the the Xbox One and the Xbox One X are going to be backwards compatible, right? So or yeah. for, forwards compatible, so be able to play Series X games on the old hardware. I, I wonder to if start. this is going to backfire on Microsoft, and like people aren't going to buy the like. It seems like the people who win the console generation in terms of hardware are the ones that you know sell sell start selling early and keep selling the whole way through. And like, there's no if you have a PC or even if you have an Xbox One X, there doesn't seem like there's a ton of reason to buy this new console. I um, mean, at the same time, all the companies are doing their own cloud services for game streaming, yeah. so they're hedging their bets, right? If people aren't going to be willing in this economic climate to spend, let's just say. $400 or more on dedicated hardware for games that they can play on at launch on their existing consoles, uh, then their strategies may change rapidly, as we saw at the last gen with you know built-in Kinect support and then Kinect going away. Yeah, that's true. Um, on the Apple side, also dropped this morning a bunch of products. Uh, three things, really, uh, across our product line. And Apple stores are actually closed in the U.S., because of coronavirus. So uh, worldwide, Air, except for oh, China. Right. They re did reopen in China. Good on them because they were able to practice safe isolation and quarantine and they've overcome it. Um, MacBook Air now has the new, they call it the magic keyboard, but let's just say what it is. It's the scissor keys that fix the butterfly keys. Wait, they're bringing back the old keyboard? It's a scissor style key. I mean, it's what was on the, they, they did it for the 16 inch MacBook Pro, right? Last fall. Uh, so the MacBook Pro on 16-inch has it. So let's do our inventory. 16-inch MacBook Pro has the, the fixed keys. The new MacBook Air has the fixed keys. The 13-inch MacBook Pro does not have the fixed keys. And so all signs point to that being replaced with the rumored 14-inch MacBook Pro that will have to have the fixed keys. What's, what's the Air, screen stitch on Airs these days? What, what, are they, what are they putting in those things? It's still 13.3. But is it so, is it a Retina display now, or is it still it, it's Retina? Ancient? No, no, no. Okay. Yeah, last last year they updated to Retina finally, and that was a big decision, right? MacBook Air uses the Y class processors, uh, the Pros use on the 13 inch side the U class processors, and then you have the H class, the multi core, six core side uh, on on the high end on the 16 inch. And really, the MacBook Air was not a great buy last year. Um, if you could spend a hundred or two hundred dollars more, afford that then it was much smarter to buy the 13-inch MacBook Pro because uh, you'd be getting a much more capable computer. You'd only want the Air if that portability really, really mattered to you. And of course, Apple got rid of that really small you know, 12-inch MacBook size. Um, but the new MacBook Air launching today, it's 10th gen uh, Intel Core CPUs, uh, has Touch ID built in. I think it has the escape key, I want to say. Uh, and it starts as, thankfully, twice the storage. So the new normal is now 
uh, I believe, 256 gigs of storage. 128 was that. That was that's like selling an iPhone with eight gigs of storage, or 16 gigs of storage even. Uh, and it starts at a thousand dollars, so they have a bigger differentiation between the entry level MacBook Airs and the 13 inch slash 14 inch MacBook Pro whenever that gets announced, and then on the very high end, the 16 inch MacBook Pro. Um, still makes more sense, you know, than what they had last year. Um, I want to jump to uh, the Mac Mini that also got updated. I'm like um, eagerly waiting for you to get to the iPad Pro because know, that has the weirdest <laughs> upgrade that I've seen and I want to get to it. Okay, Mac Mini, double the storage and $800 base model, 256 gig SSD. Uh, that's a very boutique product that is a niche product, let's say, uh, that not for most people. And then the third product line that got updated, which the leak came out merely yesterday, is uh, the iPad Pro. So it's been a year and a half since the iPad Pro. Uh, iPad Pro, the last one, which was the big design refresh updated uh, late October 2018. Is that and when they went bezel-less, basically, with that? With that? And Essentially, it went very ID. thin bezel, yeah. added face ID. That's it's incredibly, I, I think it's one of the best design products they've put out so far. Super fast, uh, new one, even faster. Uh, has their new, uh, what I don't know what they call it now, their new ARM processor, a whatever Z processor, I think it's called now. Uh, and a new iPad OS 13.4, which is going to be released to all iPad, iPad Pros next Tuesday. Uh, that's probably a bigger news for most people because the new iPad Pros are still very expensive. Uh, and along with new iPad Pros, there is not only a new folio, but also a new keyboard case. The Magic Keyboard for iPad Pro. Coming out in May, backlit keys trackpad USB-C hmm. port. Hmm. $300. What? What? <laughs> what the hell are they thinking? What does They're it do think- for you for $300? Holy hell, Norm. Will, Will, you have to remember how expensive LEDs are to backlit keys. They're, and trackpads. Yeah, they're so expensive. Does it, so, does it add like an extra coprocessor or something in there? Does it do... What 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 devilry does this thing do? It uh, the the hinge is adjustable, so it's like Surface Pro like now, I guess that it can you can lean it back in you, in different you, angles. Like it goes like this. It yeah, opens, yeah. like does it adjust in four dimensions or something? Three hundred dollars. No, what? Apple knows that for the people oh. who are spending. $800 plus on an iPad Pro plus already 100 something on the new on the pencil not the new one that came out uh, you know a year and a half ago the the pencil they may want to spend $300 on a keyboard accessory for this essentially their laptop it's actually going to cost all in all if you include all the stuff all the accessories much more than a MacBook Pro no no uh, <laughs> it will the new magic keyboard will uh will be compatible with the previous gen uh macbook pro as well so if you bought one you in ipad October, pro or ipad pro uh november 2018 you can also spend 300 dollars to get this it gives you the extra USB C 
port so you can charge as well as plug in a USB-C external monitor uh, or storage. Uh, and with the new uh, iPadOS uh, 13.4, not only do you get um, Bluetooth support for a mouse, so you can use a Bluetooth mouse, but there's also cursor support across the board on iPads, which is really, really funky. So, Will, Will you can have a mouse. You can, you can I, have a wireless mouse that connects to so, Bluetooth. This is I, magical. I have a real serious question here. What kind of keys are in the keyboard? Are they butterfly keys or are they scissor keys? It is a scissor switch keys because oh. it is the magic keyboard. So, so the one it's, that it's, works, it doesn't get dusted and stop working the moment you get one speck of dust in the keys. Yes, it will be that the new keyboard. Like better product. But again, $300. And uh, there's, there are videos now that show how the cursor will look. It almost looks like if, you're, um, if you've developed for iOS before uh, and you've you know, had to have the virtual uh, iPad or iPhone on your, on your laptop uh, and you have to emulate what a touch looks like and it's like that little circle, that kind of translucent circle, uh, that's what this cursor will look like. And the cursor isn't like a pointer that you would get in uh, Mac OS or Windows. Uh, it disappears when it hovers over certain things and it highlights an app. So they've kind of reworked the back end for apps so that the cursor uh, only appears as a kind of like a, a discrete object um, in place that makes sense. Like when you're selecting text or, or pointing at certain things, but not when you're hovering over buttons or, or menu items. So it sounds like they've done a half-assed cursor implementation on a really expensive keyboard and track. And I assume there's not—is there a third-party APIs that you can just plug a mouse in and and use a Bluetooth mouse? I, I, I presume TBD. so. Uh, there are many more problems with iPad OS that need to be addressed, and WWDC has been reworked now. It's now an online event, so I think the anticipation is that we're going to get a lot of iPad OS updates uh, come WWDC hopefully fix multitasking. I mean, it's, it's a, like with an iPad Pro, the big one loaded the way you're going to want to use it if you're using it as a laptop, it's going to cost what, 1200 bucks? So then you're looking at 1500 with the keyboard or a little, the, the big keyboard's even more expensive, isn't it? Yep, big keyboard's like, even more expensive if you have a 12.9, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a, man, that's, it's you're getting into a real nice- ass luxury item. I, I mean, if you're if you're looking at it as like buying a Cintiq and a laptop, I can guess I can kind of see it because the Cintiq is expensive, and a laptop that'll drive a Cintiq with Photoshop all decked out is is not an inconsequential laptop. But damn, that's that's whoa. Yeah, uh, there's a new camera system, a new camera module on the rear of the uh, iPad Pro. It has a three camera array, so you have a 12 megapixel f 1.8 wide angle camera. Hope is that it's better than the wide-angle camera that's on the iPhone. Uh, don't know if it's going to have adjustable focus or if it's the exact same camera. It has, uh, I'm sorry, that's the, that's the standard wide-angle. The 10-megapixel f2.4 is the ultra-wide, 125 field of view. I guess it is like the new iPhone 11 ones from last year. Um, and uh, there's no telephoto lens, uh, but there is a new LiDAR camera. This is really neat. This uh, is cool. So this is like, yeah, it's like the structure sensor that we played with years ago that we tested out years ago. Um, and 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 the demo that they gave, whether I mean demos are demos, and we'll see what it looks like in real life, hopefully in a few weeks. 
but I mean, it looked really neat. They scanned a room in about 20 seconds. It looked like, and, and, you know, you, you, it, it was able to recognize chairs and sofas and stuff like that. I'm sure that was, you know, using a relatively small catalog of potential sofas and chairs and things like that, but still it was really cool. So it's, it's structured light, right? It's like yeah. IR, they're calling it LIDAR. It's not a spinny, you know, LIDAR that you think about on, on the autonom- uh, top of autonomous cars. This is connect style blast IR out and, and then they have an infrared camera that can see Time the of light. light. Yeah. But it's better than the optical stuff that's been done in the past. Yes, yes. And it's 100% for yeah. AR kit. It is, you know, building up the supply chain for, and, and also the, the code base for when they do AR glasses. Uh, that's the expectation. And hopefully it'll actually get more developers excited about uh, using AR kit. I mean, if... If they're shipping this in a real product, I would expect it to be as good or better than anything we've seen to date. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's see what they do. More power to them. So the idea is hopefully develop. I mean, it's going to augment existing ARKit applications, uh, and also you can pair it with the ultra wideband positioning technology that they have um, on on the iPhones. So, again, they want so you- everyone to have the phones the scannings with the tablets and then maybe they'll even have those beacons that were rumored um, and announced those at some point. Does that mean that you'll be able to like walk around your living room with your iPad and it will point you to your, like it'll show you a representation of where your iPhone is. I mean, they are because that would be that for the Apple remote. That would be even better. I mean, that thing doesn't have ultra wideband, does it? I mean, if the, if the new Apple TV comes out with a new remote and they, they got to put the ultra wideband everything. Imagine standing in your home, you want to see where your objects are. You could hold up your phone or your iPad and like literally look around and then it augments and you go x-ray through the wall. That's where that phone is. That's where that, that remote is. Yeah, that'd be very useful. I use that. Which is I don't know if it's $1,500 useful. No, no, but no, 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 no. Yeah. It's more to also testaments to, to how bad, poorly the other the existing hardware, uh, like the Apple remote, Apple TV remote. Very true. Right now. Uh, any other bits of technology news? Um, uh, Black Mesa came out last week. Uh, the yes. fan recreation of Half-Life 1 in the Half-Life 2 engine. They worked on it for 13 years. Um, and somewhere along the way, it went from being like a fan mod to a Valve-endorsed product that you can you pay money for on Steam. Uh, I played the entire thing last week uh, on stream, and it was really good. Uh, the, 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 as is tradition with Half-Life 1, if you remember playing that, the first, the first part where you're on Earth looks like the way I remembered Half-Life 1 in my head, even though it definitely does not look like Half-Life 1 did. Uh, the second part, where you're on the alien planet, is Zen. still a death march. It's still terrible. Oh. Um, it, it's, 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 not, it's not that it's bad. They did a nice job. They redesigned a bunch of the puzzles in that segment, so it actually makes sense and works in it. It's a much more modern game. It just goes on for like two hours longer than it should. Um, but it, but uh, overall, I really enjoyed it. It was a nice thing to to play... Uh, before getting ready for Half-Life Alex next week. That's right. That's right. Um, that does it for our tech news. Do we have a music cue for, for science? Now it's time for a moment of science. All right, we're going to do something a little bit different this week. I got a lot of questions uh, on various platforms from listeners, so I thought we'd go through them and answer maybe some of your questions about what's going on to the best of our ability. 
Uh, before we get there, um, the usual caveats apply. Go to trusted sources of information like the WHO or the CDC or follow reputable sources online because it's not just the quality of information. Like what's become clear to me is how it's conveyed to you, like the tone in which it's conveyed to you uh, matters a lot here. It's easy to get um, scared and panicked very quickly in this environment. And there's a lot of people exuding sort of a calm sort of regularity to their communication that I personally find uh, much more effective at, at sort of like kind of reaching and impacting my, my daily behavior than some of the people that are all capsing uh, and reporting every 30 minutes on this. So be careful about your information choices and make sure they're from vetted places. The first thing I want to say is um, there's a few questions that were like, why did we go from where we were a week ago to where we are now, especially in the US? Um, and there's lots of ways to explain this, but the number one, the easiest way to explain it is there's been a couple studies that came out that were delivered into government that showed projections if we didn't do anything quickly. Uh, and the kind of projections that were in there are so terrifying that when I read the study, I just cried. It was, it like, it broke me. Like, and you should not read this part of the study. This, this is the Imperial College study that you yeah, told us. There was an Imperial day, right? College yeah. of London study that came out um, that made some projections based off mathematical models. They used inputs from like South Korea and Italy. Don't read it. That's my number one thing for you. Don't read the study because, um, because don't for your health. Like I'll, right. like, I'll say. I mean, generally speaking, the thing you, you said this in my discord the other day, and it was, it's really good advice, I think, and it is worth repeating. But if you are sheltering in place at home, if you're socially distancing, if you have food for a couple of weeks and you have enough toilet paper, um, reading the news obsessively every day, is it going to help? It's not going to help you. It's not going to help anyone around you. You're much better off spending that time reaching out to elderly neighbors and friends and family members who may need actual help than obsessing over what is going to be a couple of months, maybe of really bad news, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, the the reports highlighted a couple main things that you see sort of taking the brunt. One is a pure mitigation strategy, which is shut everything down, minimize contact so we can try to suppress, basically suppress the virus from transmitting any more than it already has and give a chance for our hospitals to catch up to the cases that are inevitably coming in the next you know, five to seven days as the virus incubates in people that are already infected. Uh, and so we're going to have this lag. And that means the next few days are going to be really hard here in the US. Uh, and we've seen that um, happen around the world. So I would say in the next five to 10 days, we're going to see like a, a pretty dramatic increase of people going to the hospital because we're catching up the lag. So the impact of what we did in terms of the lockdowns across this country won't be felt for a little while. Just prepare yourself mentally for that because that's what's happening. The and, and, thing, and just, just to be clear, that doesn't mean the lockdowns aren't working. It means that there's a 10, five to 14 day lag right. between when you, when you start locking down and when we see effects from it. Exactly. Uh, and then the other thing I would say is uh, the other recommendation was we can't just um, uh, lock down and reach the kind of level of, of suppression of the virus we need. We need to continue 
testing and importantly, contact tracing. So when somebody tests positive, actually figure out where they came from. Uh, and I'll tell you the reason why this is important is a story from South Korea. When they did a lot of testing, uh, they did these kinds of lockdowns, but they also did the contact tracing where they went back and tried to figure out where these infections are coming from. And they found uh, in one case, there was an infection spread in a church and they were able to identify essentially like nearly a thousand cases that all originated from that one church and quarantine them and basically block the virus from transmitting any further because they found the vectors of it and just was like, and halted it. That doesn't mean it, it like it, it, uh, it's purely stopped the virus, uh, the rest of the way in South Korea, but it was a major, uh, impediment to it spreading. And you can see the kind of success, uh, Korea is enjoying, uh, is seeing now in terms of the, the results of that contract facing. So test, 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 uh, stay in lockdown, take it seriously. Um, those are the big sources of advice that came out of these studies, and it had big impacts on governments because of the projections from the mathematical models. So that's where we are. All right, questions. Uh, I'm just going to take this sort of in, in order that I put in the document. So I got one question, which was, why isn't the post office shut down? Uh, or like FedEx and UPS? And the thing is, while you, know, you might still be getting your, your sort of junk mail at home or your packages, they are the backbone of infrastructure to move a lot of important infrastructure goods to keep us supplied, whether it's like grocery stores, hospitals, on down the line, like that infrastructure is critical to keep society moving. So they absolutely um, are critical infrastructure. Uh, there's so much freight move behind the scenes uh, by these organizations that we don't usually see because we interact with it in the in terms of the junk mail coming through our door. Uh, so fundamentally, and it's been this way for a long time, it's been uh, considered a critical piece of infrastructure. Uh, what we, yeah, go ahead. What, what, uh, when we get, I mean, a lot of people I know are getting stuff from Amazon or, or whoever that is like, or, or people, like we get medicine in the mail, right? What do we do? Do we need to do stuff to those packages to make them safe before we bring them into the house? So let's talk about, there was a study that came out, I don't know, two days ago, maybe yesterday, that looked at the uh, potential contamination rates of virus on different surfaces. Uh, and so it's one study, and they did it in this way in Colorado, where they basically uh, put virus on these different surfaces and then cultured um, uh, on cell plates. So it's not exactly like a one-to-one -to, -one to real life. So we shouldn't look at like the hours they got in the lab and translate that into hours in our world. Um, but what they found is like the virus can live on cardboard for a day. It can live um, on plastic and harder surfaces for a longer period of time. It's weirdly inactivated by copper. Uh, I think hmm. it could only live there four hours. Uh, the number one uh, inactivator, well, there's two number one in inactivators for this. Soap, super effective. Sunlight really weirdly effective too. Uh, so uh, currently the way I deal with my packages is, you know, I'm not eating off cardboard that I get, but what I do is when, if I get a package, I bring it in, I open it up. Uh, I don't touch like my face with my hands and I immediately go wash my hands uh, after dealing with the package. But at that point, you're kind of done with the package. It's out of the system. So you're safe at that point. So if you treat it as like a, possible contamination thing but not panicked about it because the viral load on those things are probably going to be super low 
And then what about stuff like delivery? Because like we we live someplace we can get delivery groceries theoretically. Um, say say like wash the wash your produce and wash the packaging and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, there's two things. So in terms of like you eating it, like is if there's a piece of virus on an apple and I eat it, am I going to get sick? Like it, there is basically no evidence of that because uh, this has to this is a respiratory virus. So when you eat it, it goes through the digestive tract. It basically you drop your food into a vat of acid in your stomach. Uh, and it immediately kills anything. Um, so it's really the handling of something that's contaminated. And then you touch your like nose, you pick your nose, you stick your finger in your mouth, you touch your eye, that kind of thing. That's more concerning. So as long as you are washing your hands regularly, like if I got grocery delivery, what I would do is I'd put the food away um, in the refrigerator and I'd wash my hands. And I'd wash my hands before I eat and I'd wash my hands after I eat. Uh, and if you take those precautions, the likelihood that you're going to get a virus from uh, any of those contamination sites goes way, way, way down. Cool. Thanks, Keish. Uh, so that's a that's uh, on that. There's lots of questions about reinfection. There's one study in Japan that showed one person getting uh, what they considered reinfected. They had uh, the COVID-19 uh, disease, uh, and then they tested them later, and they had the virus again. Uh, but most experts at this point think that the the testing around this was inaccurate in some way. So as it stands right now, and this could change, there hasn't been a case of reinfection at this point. That doesn't mean it, there won't be, but at this point of all the analysis we've seen so far, uh, there hasn't been one. So that supports the idea that uh, if you get this, you won't get reinfected. Now that doesn't mean um, if this uh, virus comes back a year from now, mutated in some way, like a flu uh, mutates and becomes a seasonal thing, that you would be resistant to that. We don't know that. We don't have enough information. Uh, well, I think it's just important to remember this virus only came on human radar in mid to late December. And we're in, like, we're basically three months later at this point. Yeah. And so a lot of this information is going to change and it's going to change fast and change dramatically. So don't over-index on information right now, but that's the best information we have at this point. Um, oh, young people getting sick. So by and large, we have very few deaths from COVID-19 amongst uh, young people. So basically anyone under 30, and that's particularly true for, for kids. Thank God that that's yeah. the case. Um, uh, but they are definitely able to carry the virus. Uh, and in a lot of, in some reported cases, they can get sick. Um, it's just that they tend to recover from this if they do get sick. So they can absolutely carry the disease. So like if, if you've heard like kids are immune to this, throw that, that piece of information out. Kids are not immune to this. What they are is less likely to uh, get sick and less likely, and basically have very little chance of dying as long as the hospitals aren't overrun. Um, so uh, absolutely your kids and young people can be vectors. And in fact, in Korea, the number one uh, transmission vector by age range of this virus were people aged 20 to 29 because they weren't showing symptoms of this and they were the ones heavily transmitting uh, this uh, across the nation. That's I wouldn't be surprised if that's true here in the U.S. as well. And so the real danger is even if you aren't uh, showing symptoms, is what if I hand this off to somebody uh, that is older? What happens to them? 
they're likely in a, in a really much more difficult situation. Um, lots of questions about treatments. So um, there's some good news. Uh, we've started vaccine trials, like 70 days from identification of this to a vaccine trial is something I never thought I'd be able to say. Uh, it seems ever. impossible. It's, it's impossible. It seems, yeah. And so they're testing two different basic forms of treatments. They're looking at antivirals that have been used in other situations. Like they're looking at HIV antivirals, um, other antivirals that have been developed and repurposing them and testing them. The one that has the most promise is something called Remdesivir. Uh, and, uh, but right now it's in a clinical trial in Washington state that the NIH is running. Um, or no, no, I'm sorry. That's in a different clinical trial. Um, but, uh, they're, they're trying to repurpose that drug. It essentially stops the viral replication. And so they're really seeing if that can, that can hold. Uh, the other tactic is a messenger RNA uh, vaccine where they basically give you a copy of the virus, uh, but it doesn't have the infective properties. So it won't actually like replicate in you um, at a high degree. Uh, and this uh, is being tested in Washington state led by the NIH and the pharmaceutical company Moderna. Uh, and a version of this is uh, gone into human trials in the UK as well. Uh, so they're actively testing it. Now, but even here, though they're yeah, testing, go it's going to be a while, right? Yeah, so here's the realistic news. So typically when we test a vaccine, we wait somewhere between like six and 14 months to make sure that there's no um, negative uh, effects on your health overall. Because otherwise, how can we give it? Because we need to give this to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and so the idea that we'll have anything close to a vaccine before, I don't know, 18 months when you encounter for manufacture is generally where where the estimates are. And I think you should keep that in mind because if they beat those estimates, great for us, but we should not be banking on that as a reality because we have no evidence in history of our vaccine development that we can do it any faster in a way that's safe. Uh, because there's no way we're gonna start injecting people with stuff that is not fully vetted for their safety. Uh, but this is an incredible first step. This is uh, months ahead of where I thought we would be. Well, and it seems like right now, in terms of making the biggest impact, figuring ways to treat people who are symptomatic and need to be hospitalized without keeping them on a ventilator for two months is is going to be much more impactful than, I mean, the vaccine obviously would be hugely impactful, but if we're, if we're still 18, 12 months from a vaccine after starting human trials, presumably keep getting people off of ventilators is going to help more than anything else, right? Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely true. I think, it, like, in line with that, I think the number one thing I keep hearing from experts is uh, a lot of people are going to want tests, and you're going to want to know. And the thing is, even if we ramp up testing 10x of where we are, which is where we should have been in the US, you know, frankly, if you get sick with this, and you're isolated at home, uh, and you're young, and you don't experience the symptoms that necessitate you going to the hospital, stay home. Like yeah. stay home, like drink a lot of fluids, do everything you can to recover. Um, and uh, Tylenol and Advil, right? Yeah. Like uh, fever suppressors, like, like those, like everything you can do. Like some people are using cough suppressants because of the dry cough that emerges as well. But if you're young and you're not experiencing like that shortness of breath, like really intense fevers, try to ride it out because the more um, that people that are able to 
that get this, that are able to ride this out at home, whether they're asymptomatic or have what is called quote unquote mild symptoms, um, uh, the less strain you put on the hospital system, the more time you give those people that are really sick, that are on ventilators, that need to be managed, uh, time to recover. Uh, doing that would it would be a massive boon. And so sometimes that means not getting tested uh, because you're just already isolated. Uh, because in a, in a way, what we're trying to do is not um, get that information to help us. We're trying to stop the virus from spreading. It's like a different mentality uh, overall. Uh, I got to say, though, like these measures that have gone in place make me hopeful that we're taking this seriously in a way that we weren't two weeks ago, a week ago. Four days ago. Yeah, exactly. Like there's yeah. um, measures going in place that I think we'll start to see some results from. Uh, it's going to be a painful few days, uh, maybe a painful week, uh, but that that's massive to every frontline healthcare worker uh, that's, that's out there that's trying to treat with the ramp of cases. So, Weirdly, I feel positive about this because people have come around and I actually see, at least in a lot of the people I interact with, a level of calm about it. Like, this is what's happening. There is bad stuff in the world, like from the economic impacts of this, the people that need help, all of those kinds of things. But I see a lot of people rallying together in ways uh, that I'd forgotten were possible in this country. For, for me, last week was frustration that we weren't doing the things that we could have been doing. Like it didn't feel like we as a society and as the, as a government were doing the things that we needed to be doing to make this not as bad as it, as it could be. And, and we're still not there yet. No, I, I mean, we're definitely parts not of the country. Oh, definitely not in parts of the, I mean, I talked to my parents this morning. It's a disaster. Um, but, but I feel like we're actually in a position now where people are taking it seriously and that seems to be starting. Like when I see Oklahoma shutting down school for the rest of the year, that that gives me hope, not despair, which which is yeah. I think important. Look, I've been talking about this on this podcast since like almost mid January at this point. Yeah. I'm like a little, yeah. um, I'm more than a little frustrated, and there is a boiling anger within me about some mistakes that were made that I'm going to bring. I'm going to do my best to to. Uh, there's going to be hell to pay on that, but not now. That's after. Now is, that's after, yeah. that's sometime later. Uh, what's important though, like I have found so much uh, joy and impact by like talking to the people in my life that I love, that maybe I've lost contact with to a certain extent. Like they're not going to be as impacted by what's in the news as a, as a call from somebody that they know and care about. We've known that forever. So, um, so like talk to people about this. Talk to them in a calm way. Talk to them about what you're seeing and how you're making it through because that's how we're going to have a, a real lasting impact on this. And right now what we're doing in this country is we're slowing this virus down like it hasn't been slowed in, in months. Uh, and uh, I just want to say uh, to give you an idea of, of my approach to this virus and my feelings to this virus, everyone's coming up with their own songs when they hand wash. And they're all like, oh, I'm doing happy birthday and all this kind of like delightful stuff. No, I go rage against the machine, killing in the name of, and, uh, <laughs> and it's killing in the name of hygiene is, is like my, my whole mindset about this. We're going to crush this virus. Um, it's going to take some time. It's going to be costly and painful. I'm realistic about it. 
but I'm more fired up that I'm seeing like really, really good people doing uh, the right things. It's not a hundred percent, but it's never going to be a hundred percent of people all doing the right things. We'll get there. Uh, there's going to be some pain, but I think we can do this. Oh, um, uh, and uh, President Trump mentioned this Google screener that was going to roll out, and it it turned out just to be you know in the Bay Area. I'll put a link link in the YouTube comments about that, so you can check it out to see what that looks like. Because I think the screener that um, Verily, which is a Alphabet company, uh, produced is actually really informative to this idea of like what should I do. And it's a really detailed thing. And even though it's like the endpoint of the screener is really about testing eligibility for people in Bay Area counties, I think just seeing the questions um, helped me rethink like, what should I do in case somebody, uh, in, in case somebody I love or myself actually gets sick? Well, I mean, what's, what's the, um, what, what does a mild, ca- I, I haven't actually looked to see what a mild case of this looks like. We have a couple of neighbors who are firefighters who are now, presumably infected yeah mild is this terrible like we have to throw out that word because mild ranges from no symptoms to having pneumonia yeah yeah okay so mild is basically i don't have any symptoms to up into i have to be in the icu so So, yeah so mild is everything short of the icu basically yeah if you don't have like a tube jammed down your throat like breathing for you that's that's considered sort of mild if you're not congratulations yeah um And uh, so I think we need to break that up because there's people that are like pure asymptomatic that are just like, you know, even if they have a mild fever, they're just fine. And actually, we think that's going to be about 80% of people. It's like somewhere between like vacillates based on the country data we've seen, but it's like 75 to 81 is the numbers I've seen. Um, But then there are these people that have real symptomatic effects and they'll describe it as the worst flu they've ever gotten. Uh, okay. And the just like real, um, just days of hell. Um, but they don't feel, they don't have like a shortness of breath. They don't have like the kind of thing where it's like, I need to go to the hospital right now. Like I'm in trouble kind of uh, feelings. Um, and uh, we all know people at this point that have uh, experienced that. So don't trick yourself about what mild means in case these symptoms develop. Um it will feel like a, a pneumonia for a large number of people that get this. And and don't, so like actionable, I know, I know you guys have talked about this before, but I think it's worth repeating. The actionable items are, you know, stay, pick your group of people that you're going to be with and plan to be with them exclusively for a fairly long time. Yeah. Don't I made go that around choice. elderly people. I made that choice when I got married a decade yeah, ago. Same, same. Uh, it, everything's fine so far. We haven't murdered each other yet. We've been at it for ten days, twelve days now. So, no um, haircuts for a long time. We'll all I, watch all of our hair grow long together. I yeah, I'm gonna have to get a new beard trimmer because mine doesn't go out far enough anymore. These are real problems. Um. All right. Thank you, Kishore. And once again, as always, very vo- calm, calming. Even if the news isn't the best, the way you explain it, uh, I think is really, really appreciated. Uh, uh, at least on my end, and I think the audience out there as well. Um, we have one more segment to go to. We're not going to do a spoiler talk on the card episode because this week I didn't get a chance to watch it, uh, but we will uh, move into the VR Minute. The VR Minute. Virtual reality this week. 
And I'll get through this really quickly. Uh, so we'll give you a chance to queue up uh, an outro piece if you want to dig that up. Uh, because next week, we're going to do a lot of VR talk with the release, of course, Half-Life Alex uh, that comes out on Monday. Valve just announced that preloading starts on Friday uh, and it's going to be activated on Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific or 1 p.m. Eastern. So, you know, work from home that day if you can, I guess. Haha. Um, there have been some uh, bits of video and interviews from IGN about Alex, and the two things that uh, jumped out at me from the pieces one, this is for Jeremy, who's not on the podcast right now, but Jeremy talked about wanting the barnacles to lift you up when they, when they grab you. And Will, when you and I went, I don't believe that was something that was implemented, uh, but uh, looks like that is an option from the IGN video. You can see uh, they confirm you can t- or they can toggle. Uh, IGN confirmed you can toggle on and off barnacles, actually lifting you up um, when you walk under them. So going, don't know how uncomfortable back, that might be. Going back and playing Black Mesa, the barnacles grabbing you feels like like a bug where you clip through the world and you start moving through the world to like the game is pushing you through the world to get you out. It's Oh, I don't want that in VR. No, thank you. Exactly. So you'll probably turn turn that off. Uh, and then um, the IGN also did an interview with uh, some of the artists and designers. Uh, I think uh, it was uh, Tristan, Carrie, and Jane. Um, and they talked about the uh, design of things like the gravity gloves, um, how they, their analogy for it is like fishing, which I think is a great analogy for describing how it works based on when we played it. Um, and the, uh, what is it, mechanically responsible design of it. So things had to actually look like they had a purpose and work, like the flashlight. Um, and so uh, lots, lots of fun stuff. Yeah. It's, it's all greebly. The gloves are greeblyed up in a delightful way. I want to look at the high-res art for that when, when we get the game. I, I hope we can, we'll be able to pull it out like you can with most Source Engine games. And, and that's explore. the thing. Like, like if, if it's getting preloaded on Friday, I'm sure there'll be some very industrious people uh, trying to get into the game asset files. And so be wary of content spoilers uh, that might come out before, for, before the game's release. Uh, and then on the other side, um, GDC was supposed to be going on this week and obviously not. And so a bunch of game companies are running some web sessions. Oculus no different. They have a bunch of news on their platform. So I'm run through those real quick. There's a big Pistol Whip update, the full throttle update on the Quest Ooh. and Rift. A new Beat Saber music pack, the Timbaland music pack. Uh, I believe two new games announced. One's from... Um, it's a B team. It's uh, that's from Twisted Pixel. It's an Oculus Go game, actually, uh, and will come out on the Quest on March 26th. Uh, and then a new game called Lies Beneath from Drifter Entertainment, and that's supposed to be a survival horror game on the Rift and Quest. And you see a pattern here. Quest is going to be the anchor. There's no like solo Rift games. Uh, Room, the Room VR that's coming out on March 26 as well, and uh, Echo VR, which we've been waiting for. That's the Quest version of Echo Arena. Uh, that's uh, going to be um, no launch date yet, but those going to have a closed. They're going to have a closed alpha on March 26 as well. Uh, Phantom Cover Ops is, is that, that. going to include the shooting part or just the disc game part? I Do you know Norm? Think just the disc game part. For, for Echo VR, at least from Oculus Connect, that's all we were able to play. Uh, Phantom Cover Ops uh, release date is June 25th. Uh, that's the kayaking spy thriller um, for the Quest and Rift as well. 
that's all I want to go over for for VR. Um, stay safe, everyone. Any last words from you guys? Can I plug Can a talk? couple of things? Yes, yeah. please. Um, I've been playing Ori and the Will of the Wisps. It is Ooh. so magical as uh, as the first game was. I highly recommend it. Um, and it's very calm and meditative. Like there's there's basically only a couple minutes of speech in the entire thing where there's a little bit of narration. But outside of that, it's just a, a track and just it's one of my favorite platformers uh, of the of the past like four or five years. They've added a lot of stuff to it that kind of makes it feel a little more modern than the last. I, I, I couldn't believe the last game is five years old now. Also, mm-hmm. when that came out, I was shocked. And um, I also made a book um, uh, that is Batman, the animated series cover art. Uh, so a few people had actually sourced the cover images from all of the Batman, the animated series nice. um, uh, oh. episodes uh, and a few people, because DC hasn't uh, done this yet, uh, have turned that into books themselves. Uh, and it, it it's my favorite thing. I love the gothic art from from this uh, series. It's, it's one of my favorite animated series uh, of all time. So I love it. Awesome. That's great. Um, Will? Uh, yeah, plug section. Uh, the Tech Pod, which is the single topic technology podcast I've been doing with Brad Shoemaker for the last... I don't know, 26 episodes now. Um, we, you can find it at techpod.content.town. We just launched a Patreon earlier this week, which was a great time to do that, but you know, we waited long enough, so here we are. Um, and uh, this week's episode is kind of about shifting to work from home. You know, those guys work in a studio like, like you all do. It's been a pretty significant challenge uh, bringing like, video production home, and we talked a lot about that stuff, and like our general co- uh, coronavirus uh, mitigation and preparedness routine and all that. Uh, and we'll be doing a Q&A episode uh, next week, uh, so you can send your questions in now. Uh, I'm also streaming on Twitch pretty much every day at twitch.tv slash notthatwillsmith because you know it's nice to come and hang out uh, and just hang out with some friends and play games. Uh, and and I also last week opened up my Discord, which had pre- previously been for people who like subscribed to the Twitch channel. To anyone, um, you can join that at spite. Uh, sorry, Discord.gg/spite. Uh, it's not about video games. Like there's people talking about maker projects, people talking about food, there's people talking about books and movies, and it's been really nice. It helps with isolation as we're all cooped up at home. I'll, I'll say the community with- there is super nice. I. Um- so I highly recommend that Discord. Yeah, you, you thank thank you so much for coming in. You asked to answer people's questions in the coronavirus chat last week a bunch, which I know helps helps soothe people. So helps people feel better about what they're doing and, and all that. So awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Will, for doing that. And thanks for joining us this week. Uh, Will, we have I, have, I have one oh, last question. Sorry. Will, has Norm's voice been super low for the last like I, a couple segments? I thought I thought he was doing like his Star Lord Thor voice. I yes, thought he wanted to bring it down. Uh oh. Your voice has gone down a whole Hello. octave for an entire yes, segment. I am. Yeah, it was yes. a, I am Norm. This is I can't hear myself. I don't know what I sound like. It's the I don't know thing. what I sound I am I am Norm. This is my ship, god damn it. I gotta get yes. the authoritative voice for the baby upstairs. Yeah, that's good. This Danica's gonna mock you heartily for this one if you come up with fake fake Thor voice. Um wow. I'm glad you asked. I was going to ask if you hadn't asked Keish, so. I hope All it's right. in the recording. Outro. I sound like lunatics. Outro. This one is from Wohawk. 
I don't know what this means, but I'm going to post it. Here we go. Hope it's not bad. Hopefully it's not the four minute one. Hi there. I didn't see you. Okay. So now this is one of my favorite tools. This is a Japanese woodworker saw. I've got about five of them. Uh, it's a gorgeous tool. Are for different different types of cuts. Um, the thing that's remarkable about these saws is one, their fineness. They're incredibly thin. So the kerf, and that is the width of the cut that they make, is incredibly thin. You have your heavy optimal ratio. Right. Be, right, right, right. You have your heavy optimal ratio. Be, right, right, right. You have your heavy optimal ratio. I'm very, very happy. <laughs> All right, that's got to be mixed enough. Cuts on the pulp. Cuts on the push. See, I'm changing a line there. Cuts on the push. Making decisions about where that line's going to go. It's incredibly thin. And again, I haven't worked through all these details yet. Cuts on the pull. Now is the time I need to work through them. Cuts on the push. I'm about to cut this box and make some parts that fit inside of it. Cuts on the pull. I'm about to cut this box and make some parts that fit inside of it. Cuts on the push. It's a good gold. So you don't want to plan too much in advance because you know there's going to be some wiggle room. It's not even that I don't want to plan too much in advance. It's that I can. Cuts on the pulp. The fact that it cuts on the pulp gives you a tremendous amount of fine control over where you're cutting and staying on the line. It is a, it, it, they're just beautiful tools and I use them all the time. All the time. Cuts on the pulp. I once thought of auditioning for Stomp. <laughs> You have your heavy optimal ratio. You have your heavy optimal ratio. You have your heavy optimal ratio. Stay safe, gentlemen. All the listeners stay safe too. Don't touch your face. See you all next week. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.